It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Ravens. I am your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire. And we are back here with our Thursday episode. And Thursday, you know what that means. It is our mailbag episode. And we didn't get as many questions as we have for a few of our mailbag episodes over the course of the last few weeks. But nonetheless, we will still get into these. We actually have enough for two segments. We got some questions from Twitter, some from my Instagram, and and others. We have a lot of stuff to get into So we're going to do two mailbag segments. Uh, Some of our regulars have asked some questions and good ones, and then we have some other questions that we will get into in the second segment. But then in the third segment, an interesting, a couple of interesting tidbits around the NFL regarding the start of the season and with how they're handling the pandemic, potential revenue loss, etc., The Ravens themselves announced that in a stadium that is 71,000 people, they are only going to be allowing a maximum of 14,000 into the stadium if all the state and all the county guidelines are right and all the virus cases are down. Right, There are still some hoops to jump through there, but they did announce that they suspended season tickets until 2021, amongst other things. So I want to get into that, and I also want to talk about the NFL's proposal to the players that they would hold, I believe it was 35% of the salary for revenue loss. And I think that's a little bit crazy. I honestly think, and I hate to say it as I tweet it out, but that might be the first step that we start to see into a potential lockout or potentially there being no season because the players, unless they're not playing, probably aren't going to accept forfeiting part of their salary for a game that I don't think some of them feel safe playing right now. So I think that's going to be really difficult to pass by the players. I know the MLB tried to do something of that nature, but you know, if the games are being played, there's no reason why the NFL athletes should not be getting paid their full salary. So I want to touch on those things in the third segment. So mailbag on our first two, and then finally those little tidbits in our third segment. So we're done with introducing the episode let's get into the episode now but before we do that be sure to follow us on twitter at locked on ravens and my personal account at kostraker34 and we also are everywhere there is a podcast so if you need to find us we're literally everywhere so find us on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify player fm tune in the list goes on so be sure to follow us there subscribe we put out content monday through friday 6 a.m eastern time so be sure to do all of that But now that we're done with that maintenance, let's get into the questions, and we're going to start off with Roberts B, Appy the Dot, who's been a contributor here, a regular weekly contributor, so thank you, Roberts B. He asks, 
who's the greatest running back and fullback in Ravens history. So we'll take this one step at a time. We'll get into the running backs first. The Ravens have had some pretty good running backs over the course of their history, and it has been a shorter history than some of these teams like the Steelers and the Packers and the Bears, you know. But they still have had a lot of talent come through those doors at M&T Bank Stadium. So if we're, if we're talking running backs, there are a lot to choose from, to be honest. There are guys like Ray Rice, who we've talked about before. You can go back to Willis McGahee. You can talk about Mark Ingram, and he's only had one season, so to consider him a great, I don't think that's right, but still, he had a great season. There are a bunch of other guys who had great seasons as well, you know, Alex Collins, Justin Forsett. But if I'm going to go with a great... I don't know. It's uh, For me, it's between Jamal Lewis and Ray Rice. And, you know, for me, it's sad how Ray Rice's career ended. I'm going to honestly say it's Ray Rice with Jamal Lewis as a close second. Let me explain my thinking here. Ray Rice, he was one of the most exciting players in the NFL when he was on, when he was dominant. He had great, great playmaking ability, both as a ball carrier and receiving the ball out of the backfield. And throughout his seven years in a Ravens uniform, had 6,180 rushing yards, 4.3 yards of carry, 336 passes caught for 3,034 yards, also six touchdowns through the air. So you look at that, you look at his career, and yes, it was only seven seasons, and it's arguable to say that his career was going downhill on the football field. You know, we're not going to mention the off-the-field stuff, but on the football field, his last season in a Ravens uniform was not dominant whatsoever, so maybe he was getting close to the end of his shelf life. We know the running back situation throughout the entire NFL is that usually those guys have shorter careers because they take such a beating. But then you have to argue for Jamal Lewis because he seemed like somebody who really could come in and make an impact when the Ravens got him in the 2000 offseason. And I mean, he literally did just that. After being drafted with the fifth overall pick in 2000 in his six seasons in Baltimore, absolutely tore it up. I mean, the best season he had was in 2003 when he rushed for over 2,000 yards, 266 to be exact. He averaged 129 yards per game at 14 touchdowns. I mean, it's really hard not to say that Jamal Lewis is the best running back in Ravens history because there's so much evidence that he is. But I'm going to go with the more controversial opinion and say that Ray Rice was because you look at Jamal Lewis. Lewis, and literally it was guaranteed 1,000-yard seasons every year he touched the football. His only non-1,000-yard seasons were in 2005 when he had 906, and then in 2009, his last year in the league where he was with Cleveland, he only started eight games that year and still had 500 yards. And I mean, you still look at Jamal Lewis, and he was injured for the 2001 season, so unfortunately it could have been seven seasons that he was on the football field. So he was a Raven for seven years, but only put on the Ravens uniform in six of those years. So for Jamal Lewis, I really, it's it's so close. It really is a hair that I do think Ray Rice is the better back. But while Jamal Lewis helped the Ravens win a Super Bowl in 2000, I still believe that Ray Rice, his impact on the field, both as a receiver and as a rusher, takes the cake here. Jamal Lewis wasn't as big of a threat as Ray Rice was as a receiver. We know how the running backs in the Ravens system really help out and do all of those things as a receiver, and that helps out the quarterback. It helps out the receivers in the receiving game, obviously. For me, I really have to say it's Ray Rice, but it really is super, super close. And then moving on to fullbacks, 
For me, the best fullback in Ravens history, again, a ton to choose from. You can talk about Kyle Juszczyk, who became a great lead blocker, was a great receiver. And I think also you have to talk about LaRon McClain. He was a physical player. He really played with a lot of effort, a lot of energy, and was really good during his time in Baltimore. But honestly, I'm going to say the best fullback in Ravens history is Bob Talich. His lead blocking ability was amazing, and he's really somebody who propelled the Ravens to that 2012-2013 Super Bowl win. Now, Von Talich is not going to blow you away on the stat sheet. He was only in Baltimore for three years, and in those three years in Baltimore, only had 90 rushing yards, only 259 receiving yards. But still, the, his blocking ability, he blocked for Ray Rice and helped this team win a Super Bowl. And that's really what's important to me. And you have to look at Patrick Ricard next. Is Patrick Ricard going to be the best fullback in Ravens history? Right now, I think he's well on his way. He's, he's so good at everything he does. Good blocker, good receiver. Not to mention he can play defense, right? But Vonta Leach came in immediately set a tone. And that tone was, we're going to be physical. We're going to run this football and we're going to run it hard. And I think that he and Ray Rice were one of the best running back fullback duos I've ever seen. And so for me, I think it's going to be Vonta Leach. And then we're going to move on to our next question, which is from another regular Two Sweet LP at Two Sweet LP, who asks, who's your favorite receiver and tight end in Ravens history? So a bit of a historical perspective, and I guess my personal preference. This one, again, is really close. There are a lot to choose from, but the Ravens have made a living bringing in those veteran receivers kind of on the tail end of their career who come in and make an immediate impact. Steve Smith Sr. was one of those guys. But for me, the two that I'm going to probably go with are Anquan Bolden and Derek Mason. Now, one, two, I'm probably putting Anquan Bolden first, Derek Mason second. The difference between Anquan Bolden and Derek Mason, however, is I believe their quarterback play. You look at Kyle Bowler and Troy Smith, right? Those are the guys that Derek Mason had to deal with during some of his Ravens career. He did have Steve McNair for a year. I think Joe Flacco threw to him for, I think, three years. So he was good, and he put up with some not-so-great quarterbacks, which you, you have to argue if it was Joe Flacco thrown to him for all those years, or Steve McNair, what would he have done? In 2007, which I think was his best season, he caught 103 passes for 1,037 yards and five touchdowns. And that's really good for Derek Mason and good for the Ravens because the quarterbacks in 2007, again, weren't the best. They were dealing with Kyle Bowler, obviously. So for Anquan Bolden, he didn't have to deal with those quarterbacks. You know, he had Joe Flacco there, and lucky for him, he did. But he was a special type of receiver. A possession receiver could always get you a first down. He was absolutely a huge, huge piece for this Ravens 2012-2013 Super Bowl. Look at Let's look at this playoff run for him. 22 receptions, 380 yards, 4 touchdowns. That is unbelievable believable. And then you have to look at that third down conversion where Joe Flacco rolled out to the right and just threw that thing up. Bolden comes, catches it, right? Tries to trash talk. I think it was Chris Culliver. I mean, what a player this guy was. He came over from Arizona in a trade. He was linked to the Ravens for a while. And unfortunately for Bolden, was traded after the 2012 Super Bowl win, which I still think to this day is a mistake. Never eclipsed a thousand yards in a Ravens uniform, but never went below 830 yards. 
had 2,645 yards, 14 touchdowns, a good blocker at the point of attack as well. You really can't underestimate how good of a player Bolden was for the Ravens, and that's why I think I'm going to give him the top nod here. And then let's look at the tight end. You could talk about Shannon Sharp. You can talk about Dennis Pitta. I mean, you could even talk about Mark Andrews at this point. But I'm going to go with Todd Heap. And again, the quarterback situation for Todd Heap wasn't great. He had to deal with a lot of not great quarterbacks. He was in a Ravens uniform for 10 seasons, put up 5,492 yards and 41 touchdowns in a Ravens uniform. Nobody has ever come close to those numbers. Mark Andrews is going to get there. But for right now, Todd Heap is the best tight end in Ravens history. No doubt about it. You have to look at all these numbers for him. He did have two years in Arizona and didn't really do a ton there. But you have to look at Todd Heap as a guy who helped Baltimore kind of stabilize that tight end position after Shannon Sharp left the team, was a pro bowler twice. And I think really, yes, Mark Andrews is probably going to surpass those numbers and become the best tight end in Ravens history. But for right now, I truly do think that it is Todd Heap. We're going to head into our first break here, and when we get back, we're going to be getting into the second half of our mailbag, so stay tuned for that, and we will be right back. But before we do that, with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock are the parts you need into a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders your parts on his computer choosing only the brand his warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection and live below prices. All the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And we are back with our second segment of this Thursday Locked on Ravens episode. Kevin Ostreicher is still hanging out with you here. And we just talked about our Locked on Ravens mailbag questions, the first part. But now we're going to be getting into the second part of our questions. And we have three really good questions here from David. And David asks first... With four running backs, a lot of inside linebackers and D linemen, along with a strong class of undrafted free agents, will the Ravens still carry three quarterbacks? And this is a question that I have been kind of pondering over myself because can the Ravens really afford to keep three quarterbacks and four running backs? Well, that's a question that I honestly don't know if the answer is yes, because the Ravens, they want to keep three quarterbacks. They like Trace McSorley. Obviously, I think Robert Griffin III is a great guy to have be the backup to Lamar Jackson, but then you have Lamar Jackson, who's obviously not going anywhere. Then there's also the question of the four running backs, which honestly, 
I think that's more of a yes. So I think if you have to take either three quarterbacks or four running backs, if you're the Ravens, you're taking the four running backs. But here's the question. Do the Ravens really want to cut Trace McSorley and try to sneak him on the practice squad? I personally think a team is going to end up trying to snag Trace McSorley, trying to take him and not allow the Ravens to get him on their practice squad. So they have a tough decision to make because, yes, the inside linebackers, the defensive linemen, I honestly think the inside linebacker position is a little bit less of a concern in terms of depth. Yes, you have Patrick Queen, you have LJ Fort, you have Malik Harrison. I think the fourth linebacker spot goes to Chris Board, and then I don't think the Ravens, you know, Otaro Alaka might be a tough cut, but maybe you can get him on the practice squad. But for me, it's, you know, the defensive linemen. You add Calais Campbell, you add Derek Wolf. You're going to have to probably choose between two of the three of Justin Ellis, Dalen Mack, and Broderick Washington. Now, personally, I don't see the Ravens moving on from a fifth-round pick they literally just drafted and haven't had a chance to see play. And the same thing with Dalen Mack, who I don't think they want to move on from either, who's just a year into his NFL career. So the, the guy who's odd man out in that situation is Justin Ellis. And uh, maybe they will keep Chase McSorley over Justin Ellis. I can certainly see that happening. But it's still a decent question because you have to look at the Ravens and are they really that worried about an RG3 injury that they might have to go to Trace McSorley if, in the event that both Lamar Jackson and Robert Griffin III get injured? I think they would be safe carrying two quarterbacks. But again, I think they're grooming Trace McSorley so that when Robert Griffin III leaves, he can kind of slide in there and have a really deep understanding of the playbook, which I think is really, really valuable. Now, what helps this is the fact that the Ravens will have the ability to add two more players to their roster. You know, the rosters are expanding from 53 to 55 players. That's going to really help out. Maybe you can say at that point, yeah, we can keep Trace McSorley because we have the extra roster space to work with. But now what you're looking at is you might have to cut from the defensive lineman room. You might not be able to sneak Otara Alaka onto the 55-man roster if you really want to have that fifth inside linebacker. There might be another position where the Ravens might want to keep another offensive lineman, but they can't do it because they want to keep McSorley on their roster. So I ultimately do think the Ravens are going to keep McSorley, but it really is a question of it might ultimately come down to Ellis versus McSorley. And in that situation, I do end up thinking that McSorley wins it. And then the next question we have here is, should they cancel all the preseason games and just start with the games that count all the way just from the start? So I think for this, Robert Griffin III tweeted out a couple days ago, it was, I believe, according to his sources, the preseason will be canceled. And who knows who Robert Griffin III's sources is. Maybe he was told something. Maybe he was just playing around. But honestly, I think that's going to be the outcome that the NFL is going to come to, that the NFL is going to agree on, and for a few good reasons. One, I don't think these players are going to want to risk injury in preseason games when they know that the conditioning that they've had leading up to those preseason games, now it's the two preseason games, isn't going to be that NFL-level conditioning. They haven't had OTAs. The training camps are going to start a little bit later. So what are you looking at in that case? I think you're looking at players who might get injured a little more easily because their bodies just aren't up to the NFL regulations yet. They aren't up to the task of playing NFL sped up games. And for me, I don't know. I think that's one reason. Another reason is obviously because of the spread of the virus. I don't think they want teams traveling at all until absolutely necessary. And, you know, you can't put in all of these games and all these preseason games and not expect a few people to catch the virus while traveling and then that goes out of control. 
does the NFL consider maybe a bubble? It'd be really, really hard to put NFL games in a bubble. So I don't know how a bubble would work in the NFL. I think it'd be really, really complicated to pull that off. But for me personally, I don't know. I think the preseason is something that ultimately will get canceled. And the preseason is a good time to show off if you're an undrafted free agent or somebody like a guy who is a veteran and wanting to make their roster, right? DJ Fluker would be a great time for DJ Fluker to show off. But I don't know. I think the preseason is going to be canceled. I don't think it's necessarily necessary at this point. And I don't know. For me, I think the preseason is going to be canceled. And then finally, what's the most surprising stat on offense, defense, and special teams from last season? And will it improve or get worse in 2020? Well, we'll start on the offensive side of the ball. And obviously, this stat's going to come from Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson scored more total touchdowns himself, 43 on both through the air and on the ground. He scored more total touchdowns himself than 17 NFL teams. That is literally insane. Like, absolutely insane. I honestly do think that's going to go down. Uh, but uh, again, as I've mentioned, I do think Lamar Jackson in this offense is going to be more efficient. Maybe they're not going to score as many points. Maybe they're not going to absolutely run that clock down and have 10-minute, 11-minute, 12-minute possessions. But they're going to put the ball in the end zone and score enough points to win football games. And honestly, that's all that matters. Lamar Jackson doesn't have to score more than 17 teams as long as the Ravens are winning games that's all that matters I think the Ravens playbook the offensive playbook and the defensive one but we're talking offense here the offensive playbook is going to evolve and that in turn is going to help Lamar Jackson become a better quarterback even if he isn't putting up 36 touchdowns or 43 total touchdowns in 2020 now to move to the defensive side of the ball, if you talk about the most surprising stat, I, I think that's the sack total. The Ravens obviously lost to Darius Smith, they lost CJ Mosley, they lost Eric Little, they lost Terrell Suggs on defense. But I don't think anybody could have kind of seen the sack drop that was going to happen from 2018 to 2019. For Baltimore, they ranked 21st in sacks in 2019. That's 37 total that got them there. They ranked just one sack behind Cleveland and one sack ahead of the New York Giants. That number is going to go up. I can easily see the Ravens having 45. You know, in a, good, in a good season, I can see him having 50 sacks. I could see that happening because the Ravens add Calais Campbell. They add Derek Wolf. You're able to move Brandon Williams back into the nose tackle position where he's able to generate pressure easier. I think this is a really good formula for success for Baltimore and their sack numbers because the offensive lines are going to have to pick and choose who they're going to double team. If you leave Matthew Jude on one-on-one, well, that's on you. Have fun. If you leave Clayus Campbell on the inside one-on-one, well, again, that's on you. Have fun. If you leave Brandon Williams one-on-one and have him up, he's a big boy, well, that's on you. Have fun. The Ravens have a lot of weapons now, whereas they didn't have a lot of pass rushing specialists both on the inside and on the outside. You saw Ty Spouser's development into, into a pretty good pass rush specialist. I think Jalen Ferguson is going to develop into a pretty good pass rush specialist as well. But I mean, look, you had Chris Wormley, you had Michael Pierce, guys who are more adept at stopping the run. Now you have Derek Wolf and Calais Campbell, guys who can do both at a really good rate. So I think that the Ravens sack numbers are going to absolutely go up in 2020. And then moving on to special teams, I think we have to talk about Sam Cooke here. Sam Cooke had 
40 punts in 2019. We talked about Sam Cook. I tweeted about him. He only had those 40 punts, right? That was the lowest mark in his career by far. The next lowest total was actually in both 2018 and 2014, where he had only 60 total punts. So that's 20 punts less. Sam Cook was not needed a lot in 2019 for Baltimore. I do think that changes again. I think the Ravens, they don't put up as many points, but they become more efficient. So I do think the Sam Cook is going to be on the field to punt more often. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because when you have Sam Cook, he's an inside the 20 master. He also can put a touchback in there when you want it, but he'll pin you inside the 12, inside the 10. He's a really good master at that. So I think having Sam Cook putt a little bit more, it's not the end of the world for Baltimore. I think they're going to actually be happy with the production that Sam Cook is going to be able to give them in 2020. And so those three stats are really, really impressive. I mean, the sacks, not so much, but the offense and special teams, those are impressive stats. I do think those, however, are going to go a little bit less in the Ravens' favor, but I do think sacks on the defensive side of the ball is going to be a lot more improved in 2020. We're going to head into our final break now, but when we return as more Ravens talk from us here, we're going to be getting into the Ravens season ticket holder plans as well as the NFL's proposal to hold some salary. So stay tuned for that and we will be back soon. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back to the final segment of this Locked On Ravens Thursday episode. Kevin Nostryker is still hanging out with you here. We just talked about and finished up our mailbag segments, but now we're going to be getting into a bit of Ravens and NFL news. So we'll start off with something that Tom Pelissero tweeted, which is that the NFLPA informed its board of representatives that the NFL proposed 35% of player salaries be held in escrow to help manage costs during the 2020 season. And I don't know about this because it is an option for revenue if it's impacted and that's a way to kind of keep that revenue going as to how much they were actually making but how much revenue is the NFL actually going to be losing because look you can say that they're going to be losing some revenue that's obviously what's going to happen but how much of it is going to impact them a lot I mean is it going to be enough to the point where they're going to actually be losing money by putting on a season I mean I don't know so the NFL you know for in terms of net gain net revenue I don't know if it's actually worth doing that. And pretty much when the NFLPA heard that and wanted to react, they pretty much told the NFL to kick rocks, which I mean, (laughs) yeah, that's what is going to be the response. The NFL players are going to want none of that. They're going to be playing the games, so they want their salaries guaranteed. They want the money that they rightfully earned to be in their pocket. And I am completely on board with that. I understand the fact that maybe the season might get delayed or maybe the season, you know, might have a little hiccup here or there. But personally, I I don't think that that's going to be enough to deny these players. If the players aren't playing, then obviously they're not going to get paid. But if the players are playing and, you know, risking essentially their lives in multiple ways out there, then I fully believe that the contracts they have signed, they should be able to fully get. 
So I think that for the Ravens in particular, right, you're not going to deny Earl Thomas his money or you're not going to deny Lamar Jackson his money. Even if he's playing the game, that's not right. So I think for the NFL, this is going to be a proposal that might put them at odds with the players. And obviously, they've been at odds over testing and preseason games. But now, as Tom Palacero says, the economic aspect of it is coming into focus, too. But in, in some more, I guess, somber news, the Ravens announced that they would be delaying their 2020 season ticket holders. They would be deferring them over to the 2021 season. And this is obviously a step that's necessary. I mean, look, the, the Ravens aren't going to be able to have full stadiums in 2020. That's just not what's going to be able to happen. The NFL has made it clear that each team can do whatever they like, so maybe they can put full stadiums on. Maybe some teams can do that. Other teams, they might have no fans whatsoever. But again, in a stadium that can hold 71,000 people, the Ravens announced that only 14,000 maximum will be allowed into the stadium at once. And again, this is a necessary step. And honestly, I'd rather have 14,000 people in there than an empty stadium. Empty stadiums, I don't know. It just seems weird to me. It seems like a pickup game. I don't know. I'd rather have some form of fans in there than none. Obviously, if it's safe. Obviously, if it's not safe, then nobody in there. But if it's safe enough that you're able to socially distance and be in the seats and walk around the concourse areas... Then, yeah, I mean, sure, 14,000 seems great. You're able to socially distance the fans out, and, and it'd be great. But for the Ravens, you know, this is showing that Baltimore has had, a, in the Maryland in general, has had a decent response to the virus and otherwise a not-so-great response to it. But you have to look at this as both some sad news and some happy news because the Ravens at this moment are preparing for fans to be in the stands at some point during 2020, something where a few months ago we could have never imagined that without some sort of vaccine. But hopefully as the fall goes on and hopefully, I'm hoping, the virus goes down, the cases go down, the deaths again go down, We'll be able to have some more fans, and then by the time the Super Bowl rolls around, whenever that's going to be, if it's February, March, then we'll be able to have a few more fans in the stadium. So it's just a matter of waiting and seeing, but for now, you're able to refund your season ticket money, you're able to put those tickets into 2021, you're able to buy future tickets with that money as well, but it would be fewer than 14,000 seats per game. And obviously it's on the social distancing guidelines and the fan safety protocol guidelines developed by health experts and looking at government official experts in the NFL. You have to look at all that is all one thing that the NFL is trying to follow and make the games as safe as possible. So for the Ravens, again, a piece of good news, hopefully because right now the Ravens are planning on fans coming to the stadium. But again, it is sad that the season tickets will be delayed until 2021. That's all I have for you guys today. When we get back tomorrow, it's more Ravens talk from us. So stay tuned for that and I will see you tomorrow. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 